Welcome to Experience This, the podcast that celebrates remarkable customer experiences and inspires you to stand out from the competition by wowing your customers. Each episode, we bring you a healthy dose of inspiring stories, funny interactions, and practical takeaways. Marketing and customer experience thought leader, Dan Gingas. Shares the mic with customer retention and employee experience expert, Joey Coleman, helping you to get people talking about your business. So get ready, because it's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss an immersive art experience that keeps you coming back for more, a 90th birthday party gone awry, and the importance of cross-cultural consciousness. Van Gogh, oh no, and Duo, oh my. Sometimes a remarkable experience deserves deeper investigation. We dive into the nitty-gritty of customer interactions and dissect how and why they happen. Join us while we're dissecting the experience. I've always enjoyed going to see art exhibits, but rarely have I found myself at an exhibit and thought, I'm coming back here as soon as possible and I'm bringing the whole family with me. Oh, goody. I think I know where this one's going. Yes, you do, my friend, because I know that you've seen this same exhibit as well. I'm talking about the Lighthouse Immersive Van Gogh exhibit. My wife and I had the chance to see it in Minneapolis, although it's currently playing in 19 different cities across the United States. And we immediately knew that we wanted to bring our sons to see the exhibit as well. Now, to be clear, there are some knockoff immersive Van Gogh exhibits going on right now. Wait a second. You can be immersed more than once? You can, and one could call these forgeries, but maybe they aren't. Anyway, I haven't been to any of those exhibits. So our discussion today is going to be all about the Lighthouse Immersive Van Gogh exhibit, or what I think is maybe known as the original Van Gogh Immersive exhibit. I think it would be useful to describe this exhibit, and then we'll dive deeper into some of the more unique aspects of the experience. The presentation at each location is custom designed. In Minneapolis, picture two large warehouse rooms expanding to take up 300,000 cubic feet of space. The first room, known as the Dark Gallery, is the smaller room and features reflective concrete floors, white walls, and mirrored columns that run down the center of the rectangle-shaped gallery. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. The room is pitch black and yet the walls and columns explode with color that comes from a series of projectors mounted on the ceiling. The projectors show a kaleidoscope of images from Van Gogh's many works in a constantly shifting, evolving, and moving display. Now, I had the chance to visit the Chicago version of the exhibit, and the projected images are drawn from dozens of Van Gogh's paintings. Some of them you would recognize instantly, including sunflowers, the bedroom in Arla, irises, and the starry night. Others you probably won't know unless you've studied Van Gogh and his work in some detail. The exhibit was designed and conceived by projection artist Massimiliano Sicardi with a soundtrack by Luca Longo Bardi. 
These two artists pioneered immersive digital art experiences in France and then helped to expand the experience in a series of global exhibits. This is art as entertainment and art as experience. Now, the fascinating thing about this exhibit is that you step inside the art and feel it all around you. The imagery combined with the captivating music gives an experience of the art that transcends the more typical approach of a static painting and brings to life one of the most well-known artists on the planet. When you pass into the larger room, you get the same imagery and music, but the walls are almost twice as tall, and the projections now cover the floor as well. While you might think this would be a very similar experience to that first gallery, the different layout and the addition of floor imagery creates an entirely different feeling. There were so many aspects I loved about this exhibit, and I wanted to share a few, as well as hear which aspects you love, Dan. I'll start with the way the images evolve beyond the familiar. In one particular segment of the presentation, a field of green blades of grass slowly blows in the wind, and then you see luscious purple irises blooming until they overtake the entire landscape. The entire wall is covered with purple irises. This brings a sense of motion and vitality to the irises made so familiar by one of Van Gogh's most famous paintings. I also loved the soundtrack from Imogen Heap to French favorite Edith Piaffa to Handel and even Mahler. The combination of familiar classical pieces blended with electronica and more modern variations on a theme made for an auditory experience that was at once familiar and also new. So true, Dan. The combination of images and sounds really delivered on the immersive feeling. I also love the fact that the pacing of the exhibit worked really well for my two boys, who are ages six and eight, and they greatly enjoyed the exhibit. You could sit on the floor and watch the videos or move around and kind of dance with the music, and they did both. And the way the exhibit was set up with a combination of wide open spaces and small viewing benches and movable floor cushions created an environment that frankly offered something for everyone. And I got to throw in a piece that I'm sure you know why I'm bringing this up, Joey. <laughs> oh, I, can, I know where this is going already. You know that I love signs and I take pictures of signs everywhere. And what I loved about this exhibit is that even when you exited the exhibit, there were signs to the gift shop and kind of directional signs and they were all on the same theme. So you had the irises around the outside of the sign. And of course, you had the sunflower, which he is so known for. And all of the signs used the word go, but spelled G-O-G-H with the O being the sunflower. So there was go this way and no go. And perhaps my favorite, gotta go, a sign for the restroom. <laughs> you know, I had a feeling that you would want to talk about the signs, especially the restroom sign. And I agree with you. They were definitely creative. So what can listeners learn from our immersive Van Gogh experiences? There is a strong human desire to be entertained during an experience. What is the soundtrack of your brand? How do you make your visuals move in a way that they engage customers? If you thought of your offerings as an immersive exhibit, what would you need to do to garner rave reviews and a sold-out world tour playing in 19 cities? 
When it comes to customer and employee experiences, it's useful to look beyond the competition. Don't be limited by the normal practices of the other people in your industry. Find inspiration in art, in music, in the intersection between those two expressions of creativity. If you're looking for an office field trip or frankly, just a little inspiration, check out the immersive Van Gogh exhibits playing all over the world by going to vangogmsp.com. That's Van Gogh, V-A-N-G-O-G-H, MSP, as in the abbreviation for Minneapolis, St. Paul, .com, where they have a listing of all the current exhibits and find one near you. If nothing else, it's a fun way to experience something you've probably seen many times before that is the paintings of Vincent van Gogh, with an entirely new perspective that will leave you looking at your own work in a more immersive, mesmerized. Todd has joined the meeting. Previt, Todd. Good morning, Victor. I'm excited about call today and talk about new API rollout for CNP, SGA, TPS, and FCR. Yeah, I, I am too, but don't you think there's a lot to cover on one call, Victor? It is a lot, but that's why I schedule five hours for call. Wait, this calls five hours? Vivian has joined the meeting. Good morning, Vivian. Good morning, Victor. Hey, Todd. Hello, Vivian. Did you know that this call was scheduled for five hours? Uh, wait, five hours? Are we taking any breaks? Zvi China. Wait, who's in China? Huh, always so funny, Todd. Let us start talking API rollout now. First, we consider CNP. If CNP will be successful, we must know how API connect to IoT in new environment. To do this, we will need to run tests for SGA compliance and similar. Much, much, much later. And if still working, we can roll out to TPS and FCR. Any questions? Ni? Good. Now we discuss second item on the agenda, SGA aspect of rollout. Using CNP, we see that 3.27549 times 5.827 leads to 29.3141527. Lot of boring math later. Okay, okay. All good? Great. Now, TPS and FCR are not like CNP and SGA because... One eternity later. Very good, very good. So that is planned API rollout for CNP, SGA, TPS, and FCR. Any questions? Vivian? Todd? Uh, oh, yeah. Sure. I I'm all set. I didn't really understand any of this, so I'm not even sure what to say at this point. Good, good. I will schedule a meeting for next week to review API for YYZ, LGA, MSP, LAX, ATL, and DFW. Uh, this will need many, many more times, so we'll schedule seven hours next. Don't forget the ORD! As hybrid work environments become more common, holding high-quality virtual meetings is becoming even more challenging. Before the pandemic, around 5% of employees spent at least part of their time working remotely. Going forward, that number is expected to be 40 to 50%. Before scheduling a meeting, always ask, how much time should it really take for us to get where we need to be? If it's longer than 20 minutes, figure out how to break up the discussion into chunks and schedule accordingly. If you have a lengthy or complex project, you may need to plan several meetings to cover all the ground on each component. And that's okay. It's better to have multiple short touch points than one long one. 
You'll keep attendees' attention and have clear, actionable goals at the end of each session. The team at MyTel are experts in creating the right culture and experience for employees regardless of location. Their tools, technologies, and thought leadership on remote and hybrid working solutions make it easy for your teams to stay productive wherever they are and in the most efficient manner possible. Take a few minutes to visit mytel.com slash experience this and download Making Meetings Better in the Hybrid Workplace, a new ebook that will help you rethink how collaboration should work in this new environment. Visit mytel.com, that's M-I-T-E-L dot com slash experience this and make your meetings shorter and thus better starting today. You listen to us. Now we want to listen to you. By visiting our website and sharing your remarkable customer experiences with us, we can share them with a broader audience. Now sit back and enjoy our listener stories. After talking about the great new book, Free Time, by Joey's friend Jenny Blake back in episode 157, Jenny actually reached out with her very own listener story. As you know, we absolutely love when our listeners send in their stories. But as our loyal fans know, if we're going to share a less than positive experience, we almost always eliminate the name of the brand or company in question. We feel there are enough bad experience stories out there without us piling on. And we only share those negative customer experiences from time to time in order to dissect ways to make them better. That's the spirit in which we bring you the story of a very unhappy 90th birthday. The best way to experience this story is through an email that Jenny wrote to the manager of the hotel following her extremely frustrating visit. I've edited the letter slightly for length and to eliminate some identifying elements, but frankly, you'll get the gist quite quickly, I'm sure. Here's Jenny's letter. I am writing to you as a frequent traveler, member of your loyalty program, and former admirer of your esteemed brand. To celebrate my grandmother's 90th birthday, a special occasion so few people have the privilege of partaking in, I booked a reservation for tea service at your hotel and decided to stay the night since I was coming in from New York City. This was the first time I would be seeing my grandmother since before the pandemic started, two long years. So I chose the most special place I could think of to honor how important she is to me. Although $800 a night is steeper than my usual accommodations, I value luxury experiences and have long admired your customer service. Upon checking in, I was upgraded to a stark cold room that overlooked a busy driveway and a man tending to the bushes. See the photos attached below. There was so little privacy that I could not open the blinds without him or passersby directly seeing in. For $800, the room itself seemed more like a motel stay. I arrived at the restaurant 25 minutes early to try to secure a table by the famed, quote, sweeping ocean view windows for my grandmother and her three friends. I was told it wasn't possible. When we did check in, we were inevitably seated behind the view. A bit heartbreaking for me, even though I didn't want to make a big deal of it in front of her. How many more opportunities will she have in her lifetime? I'm not sure but this was top of mind. For $125 per person tea service, the food was beyond mediocre, dry and flavorless. 
When I told our server I didn't eat fish and therefore half the sandwiches, he declined my simple request for a second cucumber sandwich. I was told this wasn't possible. He brought two more of the mundane egg salad sandwiches instead. We mentioned it was my grandmother's birthday three times upon making the reservation to the host and then upon sitting down. Still, there was no cake delivered until long after the check arrived and we were getting ready to leave. The staff had completely forgotten and we resignedly accepted for them to fix their mistake just moments before departing when the rest of the restaurant had cleared out. When I shared the above feedback upon checking out, the receptionist comped my breakfast. Kind of her, yes, but a tiny drop in the ocean charge in comparison to the $800 plus room rate and the $500 plus bungled birthday tea service. Given the preposterously high cost, financially and emotionally, of the botched celebration, the unimpressive room assignments, and the subpar customer service followed by more missed opportunities to correct initial mistakes, I cannot imagine ever staying at this location or any of your properties again. I send this letter with care in my heart. Otherwise, I would have not taken the time to write it. I would have complained on a public review site instead. However irrational though it may be, I still have a flicker of hope that someone, somewhere up the management chain, cares enough to correct these errors or at least take them seriously. I appreciate your reading, Jenny. Wowzers. I mean, even with you reading this email, you can just feel the emotion throughout it and how special this occasion was and all of the detail that went into planning it and how many things went wrong at a place that is not inexpensive. And I think what really stuck out to me is we know, we've talked about it many times on the show, that customers are often more loyal to companies when a mistake has happened and been rectified than if a mistake never happened in the first place. And why is that? Well, it gives us a sense as customers that the company we're doing business with has our back, that they're going to take care of us, that if the chips are down, if things go wrong, they're going to fix it. And this company had so many chances to fix it and they missed on every one. I got to tell you, I was feeling for Jenny through that whole email. So many chances, so many misses. Frankly, there are so many things we could discuss in this story and we could dissect this entire experience across several episodes if we wanted to. But I wanted to focus in on a few key elements that we know show up in many businesses, not just the luxury hotel industry. So as you listen to us go through these, if you're not in the luxury hotel industry, it still applies to you. First, We need to know the reasons your customer selected you. If you're going to be all about customer experience, you have to be all about customer experience. If you're going to promise sweeping ocean views and signature tea service, you have to deliver on those things. Maybe in your business, you promise speed, then be fast. Maybe you promise quality, then be high value. Maybe you promise low cost, then be inexpensive. The things that you highlight and claim as your unique selling proposition need to be unique and you can't get lazy with how they are delivered. Second, accommodate where it's easy. If a customer wants another cucumber sandwich, do your best to deliver on that. If you're serving food as part of your experience, plan ahead. Ask for allergies, sensitivities, and preferences at the beginning of the relationship. 
so you can deliver on those wants and needs when the time comes. Maybe your business provides a little something special that people always talk about. Have more of those on hand to give someone extra if they ask. Maybe you have some small interactions as part of a bigger experience. Make sure that you do those consistently and repeatedly so as not to sully the larger emotions your customer is hoping to feel. Third, if you're charging premium rates, deliver premium interactions. $800 a night is a significant investment for a hotel room. If that's your business, you should deliver a significant interaction for that investment. Maybe your business charges more than your competitors. Then deliver more for your customers. Maybe your business offers tiered pricing. Make sure the top tier receives top shelf service. Maybe you recently raised your rates by 20%. I hope you raised your value and memorability by at least 20% as well. Fourth, when it goes wrong, acknowledge it and fix it. If somebody brings a mistake to your attention, acknowledge it, apologize for it, and try to make the situation better. Jenny sent this message to the manager a few days after the birthday party gone awry and received this autoresponder message. Thank you for contacting us. We have received your email and the following case number has been created. We are experiencing higher than normal email inquiries. One of our team members will review your inquiry and respond to you as soon as possible with a personal reply. That was two months ago. To date, they still haven't replied. When was the last time you checked on how quickly you responded to complaints or even praise from your customers? Can't remember? Do it now! You should be able to measure response times in hours or days at the most, not weeks or months. Maybe things didn't work out as planned. Then work to make them better. Maybe the customer was unhappy. Then you shouldn't be happy until you shift their emotions. And finally, special events deserve special attention. Jenny is right that reaching a milestone 90th birthday is worthy of celebration. If your customer shares their personal celebration with you, three times no less, first upon making the reservation, second to the host, and third upon sitting down, take note and make it special. Signature memories associated with your customer's personal milestones is a great way to build long-term loyalty and foster word-of-mouth referrals. Maybe your customers achieve significant things using your products. Make sure you celebrate with them. Maybe your customers log major milestones during the time they're doing business with you. Track those and celebrate with them. Maybe your customer shares something special that is happening in their life that has nothing to do with your particular products or services, but they told you about it. Do something with that knowledge to show you are paying attention and want to add to the specialness of their circumstance. It certainly takes work to deliver remarkable experiences, but if you're not committed to doing it, do everyone a favor and find something else to do. Life is too short to deliver subpar experiences. Your customers are real people, not numbers in a queue. That's why Help Scout lets you manage conversations, not tickets. Join us now for Conversation Corner. Hello, it's Matt from Help Scout, the customer service platform, asking another question of the day. This one is about self-service. Now, I've never been actually served at a service station, but I'd like to know what is your best self-service experience, Joey? Self-service is definitely a fun conversation, Matt. 
one of the interesting things about self-serve experiences is they really put your customer in control. I had an experience recently after I purchased two items from Amazon. I realized that one would work perfectly, and as a result, I didn't need the other one. Now, there was nothing wrong with the product. I just needed to return it. So I quickly logged into my Amazon account, clicked a few buttons, printed a label, and after I dropped it off at the drop location, I quickly got a credit to my account for returning the product. I absolutely love this idea of empowering your customers to do these types of actions themselves. Matt, I know you and the Help Scout team focus on this very specific topic with some of the tools that you've developed for your customers. How does that work in practical application? We sure do. We have a knowledge-based product as part of Help Scout. It's called Docs. And the top line number really is that it works. We see customers using our knowledge base and they're reducing the kind of incoming support volume by about 30%, which is amazing. That's an incredible amount of work. But really, it only works if it's working for the business, sure, but also for the customer, if it's a better experience for both sides. And it makes me think about, uh, I recently did a video on the very first self-service supermarkets. Now, this is a thing which it's not that old, really. In the, in the last 100 years, we've created this self-service business. In fact, the first, well, one of the very first self-service businesses uh, in the grocery store was called Alpha Beta, and they arranged everything alphabetically, which seems like a nightmare. Uh, Sure. Seems like a good idea until you actually are shopping for more than one item. (laughs) Unless your whole shopping list is boots and broccoli or something, then you'd be fine. The self-service rollout, it really worked because it was better for customers because there was more opportunity to have lower prices because they could fit a bunch more stuff in and they didn't have to pay for as many staff members. And they had more space, they could have a bigger range of products in the same amount of space if it was self-service. So that's, that's a case where it works for everybody. And I think we've just got to apply the same thing to our customers today. But if they have great self-service, then I can help myself. I can be done before they would ever have seen that question if I'd had to email it to them or wait for their chat to come online. So... Customer self-service experiences, it's a big deal. There are tools that can help you. I know listeners have experienced this, love these types of tools. And you can find those and more at helpscout.com slash experience this, including articles Matt has written, his newsletter, and suggestions on how to best help your customers to help themselves. Go to helpscout.com slash experience this. There are so many great customer experience articles to read, but who has the time? We summarize them and offer clear takeaways you can implement starting tomorrow. Enjoy this segment of CX Press, where we read the articles so you don't need to. Bonjour. Hola. Ni hao. Guten tag. Konnichiwa. Ciao. Marhaban. Namaste. I'm guessing we could do this for a while, but to be honest, my language skills have a tendency to peter out after a few words. That being said, my wife and my boys are much more adept at their language abilities and have been using a great app to help them study different languages. The app is called Duolingo. And the other day, my wife Barrett shared a link to a story from the Duolingo blog that I thought would make an interesting CX Press topic to discuss. The article is by Emily Chu and Sam Zabel and is titled, How Zari, B, Lily, Lucy, and Lynn Came to Life. Now that's a tongue twister. Well, in some ways it is, Dan, but in other ways, it's intentionally designed to be easy to say. 
You see, the app has a series of characters that help you learn the language, and the article describes the origin stories of some of the characters' names. Emily Chu, the creative producer at Duolingo, talks about coming up with the names as follows, and I quote, This was actually a lot more challenging than you might imagine. We wanted to keep the names pretty similar across languages for consistency. For example, if you're posting about a character on social media, like, I'm such a bee, you wouldn't want it to be bee in one language and Beth in another. It would be hard to create the connection that it's the same character. Because of that, we had to do a lot of cross-referencing to make sure that names didn't have weird meanings in any other language while keeping them fairly close to the names we'd chosen in English. Of course, we also wanted to make sure that the names fit each character's personality and were relatively easy to pronounce for all of our learners. There were a few other special considerations like Lynn and Lucy sharing an L name. We wanted to signify to learners that they were closely connected. I love this idea of these cross-cultural conversations because I've had the opportunity now twice in my career to work in international roles, once at Diners Club and once at McDonald's. And so I've traveled all over the world. I've experienced other cultures and I've experienced business in those cultures. And it is fascinating to learn about, understand, and then engage with differences across these cultures. And whether that is how people speak or how they greet each other or just things like uh, what kind of tastes they have. That was really big at McDonald's, right? Uh, every McDonald's in the world has, I think, the same like six different uh, menu items. And then everything else is adapted to the local cuisine, which is really cool. So I think this is pretty interesting. I've never used Duolingo, but I'm definitely intrigued. It's a super cool app. And you know, I love the thoughtfulness that went into the creation of the app. It was really important for the team at Duolingo to have broad appeal to their customers. And Emily describes that in the article as follows. Quote, It was really important for us to have different ages, ethnicities, and personalities so that learners all over the world could relate to at least one character. In terms of group dynamics, there's a lot of natural drama generated from opposites attracting. You may notice a lot of our characters' pairings are like that. Zari is super outgoing, while her best friend Lily is super introverted. Lynn is really laid back, but B is quite neurotic. These make for some fun storytelling opportunities. We've seen other companies becoming increasingly more conscious of this when it comes to the stock photography on their websites and marketing brochures. It's not enough to go on a stock photo site and just download the first semi-relevant picture you see. If you really want to connect with your customers, your imagery should be representative of the ages, ethnicities, and personalities you serve. Representation matters, and your customers should be able to see themselves in your marketing materials. You know, Dan, we've talked about this before, and it's something I really try to get right in my presentations. I strive to have the people pictured on my slides represent a wide variety of humans, similar to the way that a wide variety of humans find themselves sitting in the audiences that I get the chance to present for at an event. I also have increasingly been going out of my way to have more diversity of names in my hypotheticals. Now, lots of times I find myself riffing in response to an audience member question or as a guest on a podcast. And I think the audience reaction to me saying, quote, in this hypothetical, John and Sue make a purchase is different than the audience reaction to me saying, in this hypothetical, Oscar and Lynn make a purchase. Names matter. 
And it's a fairly easy way to bring some diversity and inclusion to your work by being more thoughtful with your examples. You know, Joe, you mentioned this in a previous episode. And no, this time I don't remember which one because it wasn't an actual segment. And when you said it, I wrote it down and I said, man, I got to remind myself to go look at my slides. And I did. I went back and I have to say, pat myself on the back. I actually felt that my slides were already incredibly diverse. And what was great about it was it wasn't intentional. It just kind of happened. And I think that's a good sign that society is moving that way, that I didn't really have to think about it. And yet, there are pictures of all different types of people. And so I do think it's important that we take a moment and look at that. Because what you said earlier is so important that if people don't see themselves in your product or in your marketing materials, then they move on to an organization where they do see themselves. So where do we go from here? I've got a couple questions for our loyal listeners based on this article from the team at Duolingo. Have you thought about the images on your website? About the hypothetical examples that you share with customers? About the case studies you feature in your marketing materials? Do you have different ages and ethnicities and personalities so that your customers, no matter where they live in the world, can relate to at least one of your examples? If not, it's probably time to start finding ways to be more diverse and inclusive in your examples, in your use cases, and in your stories. Not only is it the right thing to do, but it will help you grow your business across borders and into regions around the world that maybe you haven't served yet. Bon chance. Buona fortuna. Good luck. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. You're the best listener ever. And since you listened to the whole show... Yay, you! We're curious. Was there a specific part of this episode that you enjoyed the most? If so, it would mean the world to us if you could share it with a coworker, a friend, or someone that just loves listening to podcasts. And while you're in the sharing mood, if you felt inclined to jump over to iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts and write us a review, we would so appreciate it. And when you do... Don't forget to let us know as we might have a little surprise for you. Thanks again for your time and we'll see you next week for more Experience This.